Welcome to the Hero Academy podcast, the place where we can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes. I believe that frontline workers such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those that have chosen to serve society. I believe in collaboration over competition. And here, you'll find the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their passions. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing. And sometimes it's things that you could do to make extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next for yourself. Inside this podcast each week, you'll learn from people like you that were working full time, but still found time to create a course, grow a big team, a large audience, or profitable side hustle. The steps they took and their backstories, the perfect blend of mindset and techniques. I'm your host, David Diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Hero Academy podcast. In this one, I have someone very special. And rather than me doing the introduction, I'm going to let ABC News do the introduction. Enjoy this episode. And finally tonight, we're launching a new series, Second Acts. We wanted to learn lessons from people brave enough to reinvent themselves and open a door on a whole new life. Here's ABC's Claire Shipman with one shy woman who never thought she could do what she does. For Gina Scarda, the thought of performing was the stuff of nightmares. You know, you stand on the edge, look out at the crowd, and what do you think? What the hell am I doing up here? (laughs) And she's not a woman easily frightened. For 20 years, a New York City cop patrolling the streets of Coney Island, policing a family tradition, but performing always off limits. She was painfully shy as a child. You weren't the class clown, you weren't the cut up, you weren't the one on stage. No, just the opposite. I was the person who loved to laugh. So if there was a class clown, I was their best audience. And that's what I always was. I was the audience. Did you imagine that you would be a stand-up comedian? I mean, is this... Absolutely not. But after two decades of service, Gina was ready for a break. Still, like so many people terrified of public speaking, she didn't think she could take on what was both her biggest fear and her secret passion. No one wants to fail, but um, you got to just take that first step. Gina! as if she were chasing down a robber, Gina decided to chase down her fear. She took two critical steps. She tested the waters with a class. They just kind of pushed me on the stage. Okay, Gina, you're next. I didn't have time to panic. One other nugget of wisdom. Look for a role model. Right. I had Rodney Dangerfield. He didn't start comedy until he was 50. My friends would come over. They would get milk and cookies. I had to have coffee and donuts. (laughs) And finally, she felt something more than terror. Once I was out there... It took me a second, but it felt natural. More than the laughs from the crowd, she thrives on the sense of personal accomplishment. I'm not even close to being finished. This is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) There's more to come. There is so much more to come. Claire Shipman, ABC News, New York. For everyone, a second act. 
abcnews.com always there and nightline later tonight we'll see you right back here tomorrow good night i am so privileged and happy to have gina scarter with me for the people that don't know you uh could you tell them like a short you know three to five minutes version of your life my story is uh I am a retired New York City police sergeant who I retired in 2007, and I've just been living every day, just having fun now. So doing all the things that I wanted to always do from when I was a kid. Did you start doing those things before you left? Like, did you start dabbling? No, actually, it's a funny story. When I retired in 2007, it happened to be the same year that my daughter Andrea was going off to college, and she was always into theater as in high school. like So we were looking for schools with a good theater program because I assumed that's what she wanted to do. So we were driving around. We were driving back from SUNY Purchase and they had a great theater program and it was only two hours from home. And I was like, th- I was so excited. And she turns around to me in the car ride home and says, Ma, I don't want to go to school for theater. I want to go to school for environmental geochemical science. I was like, <laughs> what? No, 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 no. This is your dream. You can't give up on your dream. And she's like, no, ma, this is your dream. If you want to do it so bad, you do it. And for the rest of the car ride home, I just sat there like, she's right. You know, I had forced her into theater in high school. I, I took her kicking and screaming into theater camp for the summer. She just, she never wanted to do this. This was something I always wished I could do. And I just never had the guts to do it or the time. But I had just retired. So I said, all right, now's the time. I mean, if not now, when, right? That's right. What were you doing uh, right after you retired? Well, this happened immediately right after I retired. Right the year before I retired, I opened up a business. And I don't know if you've heard of it, but it was called Super Suppers. No, they were all over for a while. For a short time, These they were meal assembly businesses where people would come and have like a little party with their friends and put together dinners to take home and freeze and cook at their leisure. That whole industry just fell apart and broke down. I mean, I thought it was going to be fantastic. We were on the front cover of the Sunday New York Times. And if we couldn't make that work, I don't know. We were doing so great. And then everything just fell apart. And the whole, uh, it was a franchise and the whole franchise went under. Okay. So that happened in 2007. And uh, so it was just as I retired. So I was dealing with that and I should have went back to work because that was a big financial hit on us. But my husband said, you know, you have an opportunity now to follow your dreams. So you should do that because you've been working 20 years. You raised kids. Now is your time. So do what you want to do. So I didn't go back to work because you have a year to go back after you retire. And I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. And I've been doing it ever since. So what do you do now? You're an actor, comedian, speaker. (laughs) Yes. Well, things developed after that. So the first thing I did, because I, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I wanted to be an actress, right? So that was my dream. But I figured I might as well start off with something a little harder. So I decided to take a stand up comedy class. Oh, and um, that's where I started, right? Because I figured if I can, if I could do that, I could do anything. Because it's very hard. Think about it. You're up there, totally vulnerable on a stage, trying to get people to laugh. And if they don't, and I've had some incidences where 
there was crickets <laughs> because the audience wasn't correct. My comedy is based on my life. And if I can't connect with the audience, which is somebody who is going through midlife or whatever, it doesn't work. I mean, I had done, um, I think it was the comic strip live in Manhattan and the audience was completely 20 year old college kids from down the block. You know, I mean, I have a joke about Gilligan's Island. They looked at me like I had three heads. You never heard of Gilligan's Island? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) But yeah, they don't know. Talk about menopause and midlife, you know, no, they don't know any of that stuff. So you know, every comedian has their own audience and that was not mine, <laughs> but you live, you learn. And then after that, after going on stage? Well, I was only doing it for a few months when I had decided to take a, I thought it was, I don't know what got into me. I decided to enter a comedy competition in Long Island, which was okay. I mean, Everybody else was doing comedy for years. And here I was like six months into it. And I said, okay, it was out East actually at McGuire's comedy club. McGuire's. Yep. Yeah. So it was, it was Long Island's funniest competition. I'm like, all right. I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. I just went and did it. I mean, and it was, it was kind of cool because my whole thing about doing comedy was overcoming fear because it was a fear I had. And I do not give in to fear. If I fear something, I'm going to do it and face it. So it goes away. Because really, that's the only way fear goes away is if you do it, right? Right. So I got on that stage and I did my thing and I had no expectations of winning, nothing. I just did my thing. I went to sit back down. The only person I brought was my husband. And there were three judges, but a lot of the determination of who was going to win this thing was based on audience reaction. And I did okay. I did great. I was happy with it. I don't know. You know, when you go on stage, if you don't remember... What happens when you were on stage? You did good. <laughs> you remember the bad stuff, but if you don't remember, it's just you're in flow. And you know what happens when you're in flow? It just goes. It's wonderful. But I sat down, I watched the rest of the comedians. I laughed because I am a great audience for people. I, I love to laugh. And uh, when they were announcing winners, <laughs> I sat down. I had just stuffed like a stuffed nacho in my mouth, and I hear them call my name as the winner. I'm like, and I I was so shocked but things just opened up after that they had put a video up on YouTube I think at the time and this woman Marianne Maisano who was putting together she had already put together a group of girls called the Italian Chicks she writes me and she goes listen I saw your video on YouTube I want to talk to you about you know trying you out for the Italian Chicks because I think you'd be a great fit can you send me a headshot and resume? I don't have a headshot and resume. <laughs> I had nothing. I was brand spanking new. So I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And I never answered her. And then I went on doing my little, you know, open mics or whatever. And then uh, six months later, she called me again and she said, listen, I want to try you out this weekend. I think she was short somebody this weekend in Staten Island. Can you do it? Can you host and do 20 minutes? I'm like, okay. I said, yes. I had never hosted and I didn't have 20 minutes of material. I had maybe 10 tops. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) But it was only like less than a year of me doing comedy. So I said, yes. And then from that moment, and it was like the next weekend, I stressed, Dave, I cannot tell you the stress. (laughs) It was up through the roof, but I I did. And I was with them the past 10 years. I stopped doing it right before, uh, maybe a year before uh, COVID hit. 
which they haven't been doing it now either. So (laughs) that's really, really cool. I just want to say a quick uh, shout out to Sarah for connecting us. Yes. Um, Love her. Yeah. We met in Dallas. I was at a uh, speak off speaking competition and I spoke the first time I was in flow. The second time I remembered where I messed up and I was like, Oh, I didn't hit that. You know, I didn't hit that little piece of the story. Do you have any uh, funny stories from the NYPD? You got to have one that you tell everybody. Well, (laughs) the one thing I tell everybody is (laughs) my first assignment with the NYPD was an undercover prostitute. (laughs) I was an undercover prostitute in Coney Island, which, you know, might have worked out well if I looked like a a Coney Island prostitute, but I had teeth, which was a big giveaway because most of them are (laughs) just a mess. Uh, I went out there the first night thinking, all right, pretty woman, right? I'm all dressed up with the... No, that's not how Coney Island prostitutes dress. (laughs) No, what do I know? I know prostitutes from tv <laughs> i was a rookie cop i had no clue so yeah sweatpants and uh turtlenecks is just fine <laughs> did you have a uh, thousand guys they were probably lined around the block because uh you're still a pretty woman you're, you're still you're still a beautiful woman but back then 20s yeah in my 20s when this was happening yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun me and one of the other cops cheryl we would go out together and, and there was always a lieutenant nearby watching and uh there was also a, an ada in there we were mic'd and they had listening to everything but we would have a competition and she would be on one corner and i would be on the other on who could get the most money so here we are like bargaining with these people and I, my lieutenant's like what are you doing <laughs> <He's Cheryl. laughs> it's funny what made you go into the profession what made you want to be a cop i didn't You know, I was working as a dental assistant at the time and my best friend was going for the test. I'm like, ah, I just don't, I don't, I'm not really interested in it. I I don't see myself being a cop. And she goes, just take the test with me. You don't have to take the job. I was like, okay. So I took the test. Long story short, I became a cop. She did not. (laughs) So just on a whim, basically I became a cop. And it was That's a awesome. great decision. It was a great decision. I don't regret that one moment. Well, how do you spend your days now? Like, what do you do? Like, what's a typical day look like for you? Well, in Florida, it's a totally different animal than when I'm in New York. I'm still doing a lot of my stuff because of COVID. A lot of the stuff went to Zoom and online. So I'm still doing a lot of acting. I hate it. I hate it so much because it's, what do you it's hate? hard acting through Zoom. Like I just uh-huh. did um, the Long Island Women's Writers Festival and I acted in a couple plays and I directed a couple plays. It's just not, you don't get that same energy through Zoom as you do yep. in person when you're acting because it's yep. important to be face-to-face with someone. I mean, this is great for interviews. This is fantastic. But again, there would be more energy if we were in the same room. <laughs> Def- definitely. And maybe a year from now, I will fly to you and we will be in the same room. Or I'll catch you when you're in New York. How often yeah, do you come I'll back? I'll be in New York next week, actually. <laughs> next week? Oh. Yeah, yeah <laughs> what I'm are going you doing? Back for the summer. Just figuring out what to do with the house and all that. Just, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, were you in Nassau? Or... I'm in Nassau. Were you in Nassau? Oh, okay, Nassau. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm in Suffolk. So go ahead. You said come September? 
Come September, I'll be back here, and I'm going to start a um, a theater club within my little community here. So I figured I, I could, I'm at the point where I probably can uh, run a theater club. <laughs> Just to yeah, have I think so. Down here, would you coach people a little bit? Yeah, and start, and do plays and coach and oh, something exciting happened this week. I was in a film we shot it over COVID, a short film. It's called Midlife Conversations, and that was accepted into a bunch of film festivals. But I just got nominated for Best Actress at the Real Film Festival in Chicago. Hey. I was so excited. I, I mean, it's only a nomination. I'm probably, you know, but it was exciting for me because uh, no one put me in for it. They just picked me, which was great. And they were only I'm so happy for you. Yeah, I was excited about that. What kind of things have you spoke about before, like on stage as a speaker? I can send you my speaker one sheet, but I speak on stress, laughter to reduce stress. I'm actually a certified happiness expert. Can you believe that? There's a certification in happiness. I believe it. (laughs) And I have it. (laughs) So it's, you know, one thing I've done since I retired is Anything that I find interesting. If I told you half the things I've done since I retired, Dave, you'd be like, what is wrong with this girl? (laughs) I have become a real estate agent. I got licensed. Didn't really do it. I didn't like it. But I I don't stop things until I finish. So I got my license. I became a certified happiness expert. I became a holistic health counselor. I went to the Integrative Institute of Nutrition and became certified in holistic health. Anything that, but it was for me. I didn't want to be a health counselor. I wanted to learn about my health and help my friends, my friends and family just, but nobody ever asked me for advice anyway. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> Isn't it funny how the people closest to you will listen to it's complete stranger before they listen to you? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it works. It so is. my coaching program is not for anyone that I know personally. It's only for strangers. Exactly. <laughs> Of all the things that you've done and that you still currently do, what is the thing that you're most passionate about? Acting. Like you love acting. I love acting. That is my passion. I really enjoy it. It's just, I don't even know the word for it. Freeing? I don't know. (laughs) It's great. It's a great release for your soul to pour yourself into a character that's not you. Because you learn so much about other people doing this. It's, It's really, it's so interesting. Don't get me wrong, 90% of the time I'm playing a crazy wife or mother. 90%. Uh Am I typecast? I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. But every once in a while, I I play a different kind of role, which is fun. That sounds really cool. I considered it, but I don't think that that's like where my heart would be. Like it's one of those things that I would want to try. Right. But it's like stand-up comedy. I want to definitely do it. Well, we went to this place in Queens in Astoria. I think it's called The Q, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. And it's for new comics. And it's very small and very intimate. When I figure out the name of it, I'm going to send it to you. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend and I, we went and we listened to about five or six comedians up there. Some of them had their cell phones. Some of them were reading off of notes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was very, very cool to see them in the early stages of their process. Right. And some of them were really funny. They were like, oh, all right, I got to scratch that joke off because that one doesn't work. <laughs> and the, the guy that I thought was the funniest was the guy who kept saying that on stage. Like he kept running that repeating theme. He's like, oh, that one really killed, you know? And, and then he'd be like, oh, that one, that's a horrible joke. I got to get rid of that. So he kept saying, <laughs> like he kept, he kept saying it. 
it became just part way, of his act. <laughs> it became part of his act. And it was really, really good. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And it was fun to see them in the early stages of yeah. their careers. You know? most, most comedy clubs have open mics where you can see that all the time. But as a speaker, I found that being a stand-up comic was the best thing because you're able to make your speeches funny and funny speakers are the highest paid speakers, <laughs> you know? That no, one, no doubt. They get, so I recommend to anyone who is in the speaking career, you know, doing the speaking circuit, take a stand-up comedy class and get some comedy in your speeches because no one wants to listen to, I, and I've listened to some speeches where I just wanted to, you know, take a nap. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. But when they make me laugh, you got them right here. But can anyone be funny though? That's the question. Anybody could be funny. Anybody. That's your feeling? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I'm, anyone can hone the craft. Anyone can hone the craft. I think, you, you know, you pick someone who's like grouchy and, and like, you know, serious has like a, maybe an accountant, something stupid. They can still find <laughs> funny in what they do and they can make fun of themselves. If they take it serious and if they you know, really uh, use their own personality, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to be true to you, to your personality. Right. And you got to be aware of your quirkiness and talk about your quirkiness because sometimes people are like, oh my God, this guy's quirky. But if you start acknowledging that, like then it becomes funny. Like, okay, he knows he's quirky. <laughs> good. So what inspires you now? Like who are some of the actors? Like who do you think is the top five? Greatest actors. of all time actors and then top five comedians or, or either or. Wow. This is tough for me because obviously I, I always go to the woman because I am a woman. <laughs> and even though I'm an actress, I'm really bad with actors' names. Don't ask me why. Okay. Okay. But I love the classic people like Meryl Streep, of course, is incredible. Bette Midler? Bette Midler's a good comedic actress. I like her singing more than her acting. I don't know. I really, I am so bad <laughs> with actors' names. I'm with any names. I'll, I'll be like the one who's like, who's that actor? You know, what's his face? You know, he was in like everything. <laughs> That's me. I'm bad. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks. I love Tom Hanks. I love yeah. Tom Hanks. I love Denzel. I love. I mean, there are certain people that I will watch every movie that they're in. I freaking love, I used to adore Mel Gibson, but I don't know if it was so much for his acting as, God, he was cute when he was young. So cute. But he is an, he is an amazing <laughs> actor too. He is an amazing actor. Yeah, well, he's, he's incredible. One of my favorite, he's so intense, Christian Bale. He's so intense. Christian Bale's good, but I don't know what he was in. <laughs> The Batman. Oh, Batman. Okay. The Dark Knight. Oh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. With oh, he is an incredible actor with the Joker. He is. He is. I thought he was too old for that role, though. Who's that other guy? (laughs) See, here I go. (laughs) Oh my God, he's in everything. Oh, you name a movie. Gary Oldman. That's it. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. He can totally transform himself into another person. It's amazing when I see yes. that. Amazing. Yes. But yes. Yeah. So, and as far as comedy goes, I just, I'm really bad. I mean, I love some of my 
inspirations, Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball. I love them. Come on. They're fantastic. I love of course. Joan Rivers. That was it. How do you know? Joan Rivers. She's fantastic. I grew up on Lucille Ball and Jackie Gleason. I grew up on them. Oh, no, I still have Carol Burnett. She's still around, right? Carol Burnett. The Honeymooners. Yes. You know? It was great. So if you had your own Netflix special, would it be something about Italians? What would it be about? Well, my comedy is all about my life. So it's it's being a cop. It's being married for 33 years. It's it's being Italian. It's it's everything. And that's the comedy I enjoy. People like Sebastian Maniscalco. It's, his comedy is his life. Things that happen yes. to him. Because you can find funny in every single thing you do and every single encounter yes. you have and your life, basically. That's the kind of comedy I like. I don't like people who just get up and tell jokes. I like hearing stories about your life and the funny shit that happens to you. Sebastian, he's in my top 10 of favorites right now. Oh, he's for sure. Oh my God. He he is. He is. I've seen every one of his specials. Mm -hmm. If you could go back to uh, yourself at 18 years old, what advice would you give? Like what three little three pieces of advice would you give yourself? If you could whisper in that girl's ear. Bye Google. <laughs> by Google. Remember to always put yourself first. Remember to go after your dreams. Don't be afraid of them. Don't put them off until the time is right. And mostly be happy. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to circle back to that first one, the, the bonus one, which was by Google. <laughs> if <laughs> you had. <laughs> If you had Jeff Bezos' money, right, and Mm -hmm. uh, basically all of your family's taken care of, what would you spend your money on? And what would you spend your time doing? I know you would spend your time still acting, but what would you spend your money on? Your family's already taken care of. Probably just making other people happy and teaching other people how they can be happy and helping other people get to the point where they can have everything that they want. Um, I love it. I love it. That would be the thing. I love it. And I love doing that now. So, and I don't have Jeff Bezos money. (laughs) No, but you don't need it because you have a platform. You can teach people how to be happy. You know, you're already a certified happiness coach. (laughs) That's what I speak on. You love to laugh and you love to make people laugh. So that's like two thirds of the puzzle right there. Mm -hmm. Now you just need a big platform. You know, so if you had a ton of money, right, you could build your own platform, you know, complete with Netflix, but also you could just throw it into production and just like produce content all the time, you know, making people happy and teaching people how to be happy and how to laugh and how to have fun and, and pursue their dreams. Yeah. You know? Imagine a, a channel that just had happy stuff on it, stuff that made you feel good, no news, no... You know, just, I do subscribe to Gaia, which is not happiness, but it's all about self-improvement. And I like that channel, but yeah, I don't, anything that makes you feel bad, you you just got to stop watching. Oh my God. I couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) I have a coworker. I'll just say his name. (laughs) Fred loves to watch the news. He is a news junkie Oh, and it's okay. Cause if he hears this, I'll tell him to his face too. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, if that raises your blood pressure, 
Like, if you hear a story and it pisses you off, why are you consuming six hours of the news? Like, why? If anything big happens, someone else is going to tell you about it. Exactly. Your mother's going to call you. <laughs> someone will tell you. Someone will tell you something big is happening. You'll catch it because somebody else will have the news on and you'll catch it. You know, you'll catch it. You don't need to consume it all day long. It's just, it's not good for your health. Mm-hmm. It's not good for you. So that's my advice to Fred. If you're listening to this, if you hear this, Fred. Fred, <laughs> shut off the news, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I only have a couple more questions for you, but um, do you have any like really good stories or interactions with firemen or nurses that you can remember? Well, every interaction with a fireman and a nurse has been memorable and pleasant. But one of the things I remember is um, the 6-0 precinct where I was a cop. We were right next door to the firehouse. We were connected. And... (laughs) I know this is a silly thing, but I used to love to cook in the 6-0. I mean, whenever there was a holiday or something, but they cooked every day. The firemen cooked every single day. They eat very well. Yeah. And so I became good friends with them because, <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted to. Uh, so we, we used to like share food. Yeah. Just me. I mean, he, they wouldn't bring everything to the firehouse, but I would sneak in there and go and eat with them. And, you know, we would talk about recipes and cooking. <laughs> I was like, this is just the weirdest thing, but. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, my brother-in-law is a firefighter in Manhattan. Uh, oh, so that's cool. And I have another brother-in-law who was the chief of department in New York City. My sister's husband was the chief of department in New York. Are you promoting any projects coming up? Or what are you working on now? What do you got coming up in, in the pipeline? Am, well, I'm working on some things. I am writing a play. And I started writing a screenplay but I put that on the back burner right now with everything that was going on. So writing is my newest project. So I've been just okay. writing and I just entered a, a monologue competition. I wrote an original monologue, which I haven't heard anything yet, but I think I have until July. <laughs> so it's fun. It's just basically taking it to a different level. So I'm, I'm trying to write original stuff now and get it. I love, I love, love, love that you explore everything that your heart desires you know everything that you like oh i think i'd like to do that you explore it right like, <laughs> i really i really love that about you i'm gonna let you go but i'm gonna shoot five really really quick final questions for you okay all right so society calls police officers and firemen nurses and ems they call them heroes uh what does being a hero mean to you caring about your fellow human all right i love it and um, when you're really stressed out and you got like a lot of stuff going on and you're starting to feel a little bit low, how do you save yourself? Meditation. Meditation, Meditation. helps me so okay. much. Would you ever consider coaching people to uh, down the line? Like, I think you, you actually mentioned that you would. Yes, I feel like I, I do coach a lot of people. I mean, I don't get paid for it, but... but. <laughs> Uh, we, we'll have to talk about that. We'll, we'll have to talk about that offline because uh, you should <laughs> you I'm should be coached for a lot of things. All right, you should be getting paid for it because that way you can make a bigger impact, you know. And, and people will take it more serious too, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And when they, people get things for free, it's like, oh, you know, I told you how to do that six months ago. And uh, so uh, no investment means no emotional investment. That's what exactly. I, I heard. A thousand percent. Uh, what is your best ability? What's your pot? I know what it is. After you answer, first, I'm going to give you what I think is your power, your superpower. What's my is that you are fearless. You break through fear. You bust through fear. Like, I don't know many people that would go and do stand up, you know, because stand up is more scary than public speaking. It you're is. really, really, you're really exposed. You're really like, you're out there and everyone is looking to you with expectations. Yeah. But that's so what you- happens, right? You got to break through that fear and, and go do it. And I agree. I'll say being fearless. All right, I love it. Attempting to be fearless. <laughs> I'm not always fearless. I mean, the fear is sometimes there, but you got to work through it. And the last question, if you had a comic superpower, like a comic book superpower, oh. what would it be and why? Super Gina. Super Gina. I think uh, it's a toss up between being able to fly because I always wanted to be able to fly and being invisible. It, it is always a toss up between those things because uh, did you grow up watching Wonder Woman with her invisible jet? No, I did not. I was not a Wonder Woman fan. You were not. No, you think I would be, but no. <laughs> Although <laughs> I did see the uh, the movie, the recent movie. Was it with the uh, nineteen eighty four Gail Godot? Yes. So most people choose flying because flying represents freedom. And uh, that's the thing about flying, you know, that's why most people choose it. Because imagine if you could just like bend your knees and blast off into the sky, you know? Yeah, that would be great. But imagine being invisible. Think of the things you do. Think of the things (laughs) you would be able to find out the truth on anything. Truth is important to me. (laughs) Invisibility is good. Oh, but I think you might be treading on dangerous ground. <laughs> you, I'm never, you never know. Can't be dangerous if I'm invisible. <laughs> it's true. You, know. you find out things you don't want to know, right? That's true. That's what <laughs> might happen. I just want to say, I think I said it before we actually started officially recording, that I am so grateful that I got a chance to link up with you and talk to you. And I, so I definitely I definitely want to do it in person. Somewhere in New York would be awesome. I would like to link up with you and have someone record it and and we'll continue the conversation because I think that you're amazing and you are the biggest star that I've had on the show to date. I mean it. <laughs> you're the only person. I have one other person that has, he's a comedian, he's an internet marketer, and he's actually never held a job. He's worked uh, his name's Tom Antion, and he's one of my mentors. And he's done a lot of different things like you. Like he's just has a lot of life experience because he's been a speaker, comedian, author, internet marketer. Like the list goes on and on. Right. But you're the only star that I know. I'm not a star, but thank you. <laughs> listen, listen. You can say it as much as you want to say it, but um, <laughs> your star is shining bright right now, and I know it's going to shine, you know, bigger and brighter. Just because in your mind, you think that your star is like this. In my mind, your star is like, like, you know, so much bigger. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Okay. 
All right. All right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story. And I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at davidleith1. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.